Amen? You should be familiar with that prayer. We've used it in this series that we've been in. And I want to encourage you to continue to fight spiritual warfare in your prayer because our prayers do make a difference. But our prayers are just not needing to be taken before the Lord. We need to take upon ourselves our authority as a believer in Christ to fight against the enemy and to be a co-heir with Jesus. And so we've been spending some weeks. I didn't know where it was first going when I first stepped into it, to be honest. But I do believe today I want to just bring some thoughts uh, to a conclusion and be able just to let it seed with us afresh and anew again this week that we, if we are a believer in Jesus Christ, acknowledge that we are a co-heir with Him. And all the power that God has is available to us, not because of who we are, but because of who He is. And that our authority is really His authority, but He calls us to step into situation and speak truth, to speak God's will, and to pray for God's hand to move. And I've seen it, I've heard it from different ones of you, and we were praying a lot this week. Is this LED video wall going to get up and work? Are we going to get other things rearranged? I spent time painting those green uh, ducks black, all kinds of crazy stuff this week. But it's all for the purpose of us to have an environment for us to refuel on a Sunday morning to be sent out as people awakening people to be fully alive in Christ and to his mission. And foremost at that mission is prayer and intercession. It's not the last thing like, "Ah, that's the last thing I, I guess I'll just pray. No, it's the first thing we do. We begin to pray and we tear down strongholds. We acknowledge what's going on in the spiritual world. And we've been looking at that. Part of the reason I extended it to today was so I had an LED wall to show you my country road. (laughs) Some of you said during the series, Carrie, I think you have something up there on the screen, but I can't see it. Well, this has been the backdrop for these weeks. And I have never preached like this from my country road that I grew up on. What do you think, Dave? (laughs) Dave Gilmer, fellow farm bro friend. So that is Bowman Agricorp, and some of my family might be watching from Indiana today. That is Bowman Agricorp, and yes, we worked on some of those bins. If you want, if some people say, Carrie, you do the spray gun thing? How, how did you do that? Well, I used to stand at the top of this and spray things when we were building it, paint-wise. So there's a lot of memories, not only in the farm operation, but the farmhouse that's at the front of this. But there's no other houses on the country road from the farm a half mile down the way to the crossroads. We lived on 800 South and the crossroads at 700 East in Wabash County in north central Indiana. Uh, This was where I grew up and I thrived, but it's also where the formative things of my spiritual life came into play. I had a mom and a dad that loved the Lord Jesus Christ And they raised us in the wisdom and the knowledge of the Lord. We were in church every week. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And y'all thinking, it's hard to get here for one hour service, right? You had to be pretty sick, close to the point of death, not to go. Okay? 
And there were some Sundays where I was like, wow, really? But they kept us under good preaching, and they kept us under um, a good influence, not just educationally, but people that love the Lord. We were part of a Christian Missionary Alliance church, and we'd have missionaries in the home. I remember some of the missionaries that came out to the farm and some of the other ministry-minded people and people we grew up with and played with and hung with. This was formative. I promise you this was the last day sentimental with the Indiana deal. But I want to come back to it because I want to ask you where your sacred space is at where you meet Jesus. You see... I would walk down from the house to the crossroads. Sometimes I'd go another half mile this direction, whatever. Sometimes I would sit at the crossroads. Sometimes I'd meander back and forth. And you'd have big decisions in your life. How am I going to make these big decisions? And I, a lot of times I would meander back and forth. And I would pray and I would sing songs and hymns. I would look at the stars or some beautiful sunsets. And I would say, Lord Jesus, I, I need you to give me some words of wisdom, some knowledge. What do I... I do with my life. Remember all kinds of prayer requests, and I've mentioned that before in these weeks that, that were poured out on a, uh, a country prayer road that God has answered, and it's just overwhelming when I stop to think about that. But where's your sacred space? Where do you go? We talked this morning when we let off with having an altar area and, uh, and the crimson red carpet to bring our prayer request to the cross to the blood that Jesus shed for him that brought about victory and power over Satan. And, and so we want to craft this as a sacred space, an environment for us to be able to meet with God. But today's different than in the Old Testament, you know. In the Old Testament, they, they went to the temple because that's where God's presence was. When Jesus Christ spilled his blood on the cross, there was a six-inch thick or a foot-inch thick veil that stood between the holy place and the holy of holies and only the high priest could go into the holy holies one time a year on the day of atonement to offer the sacrifices for the forgiveness of the sins of the people and that veil that thick curtain was rent in two when Jesus died on the cross from top to bottom and why was it written to because it says believers in Christ we now have the authority to walk into the most sacred space because we no longer, if we are a believer in Christ, go to the temple. We have the temple dwelling within us in the presence of Jesus, and we take the temple with us. So it's not that sacred space you need to go to it, but I tell you what, our lives are so busy and hectic and running different directions. I woke up this morning, I'm like, what day? It is? Oh, yeah, we got the building done enough. I got to go preach, right? Life becomes a blur sometimes. And I think part of our problem today in our lives and our families and maybe in our friendship circles is because we're running so many RPMs that we're blowing gaskets. And we need to be able to slow down and be able to focus and spend some time in sacred space. And then when we spend that time in sacred space to intercede with God, to hear from Him, to worship Him, but to petition Him as well. And in our petitioning of God are our supplications that we have these prayer requests, right? Some of you brought them this morning with our pick five. People were praying for and you prayed for them this morning. You prayed for them throughout the week. As we supplicate with them, we need to be sensitive to the voice of the God that there might be something more than just, Lord, I pray for this person. You may need to turn from prayer 
to spiritual warfare. Prayer is praying to God. Spiritual warfare is taking your authority as a believer and speaking to Satan and his workers. And you have the right to do that. Me? Yeah. You're a co-heir with Christ. I believe this is boot camp for eternity. And some of y'all aren't doing very well in boot camp. I find myself not doing well sometimes. I meander around, my head's hung low, I'm tired, I'm just sort of distracted, I'm not dialed into the kingdom of God. But we are in training here to rule and reign with Christ. Our destiny is the throne. And as our destiny is the throne, we get the opportunity to pray and to intercede, to fight spiritual warfare. One of these days, the adversary will be thrown into the pit of hell and all of his workers, and there will be no more pain. God will wipe away every tear from our eye. He'll create a new heaven and a new earth, and we will rule and reign with him in a beauty that we've never experienced before. A starking difference, far more starking difference, striking difference than our old screen in this LED wall. It's going to be remarkably different. That's our destiny. This is our boot camp and our training ground. Let's not wait till then to have regrets about, I never knew I could have done that back on earth when, when things were going bad. Yep. Or I, I never knew that the battle with my son or my daughter had nothing to do necessarily with personality and season of life. There was spiritual warfare that was over that person. I don't want to have any regrets then about what I did now because of ignorance or indifference or maybe apathy. Are you taking your authority as a believer and the opportunity to pray, to intercede, to proclaim the gospel of Christ seriously today? It's our foremost calling. You happen to be engineers, teachers, business leaders, domestic engineers. That's all secondary. Your foremost calling is you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, a co-heir with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords of the universe, and you get to rule and reign with him for eternity, and it begins now. So are we taking it serious? And that's been my full calling for us. And so as we finish out, we're not stepping into a bunch of new thoughts. We're just refreshing some of those thoughts. And one of the thoughts I want you to be refreshed with as we finish out here this morning is this difference between authority and power. Power is with God. I have no power to change anything. But because I'm a believer in Jesus, I have the authority, his authority, to see that power move and operate in my world. Because I am related to him as his child, his power and his awesomeness is at hand. I want to encourage us to take our authority and exercise the power of God. There's different examples that I've seen of this. One of these I want to sort of take you to a familiar movie that most of us would know. The Lion King. 
Sometimes feel like Simba. Marp. Marp. I do. But friends, we are related to the true Lion King. And he has all the power in the world. And he stands behind us as we move and we operate. And when you speak authoritative words in the spiritual realm, it's not a it's a and you need to take your authority with acknowledgement of the power, like Mufasa, that's behind, and understand that you do not need to shrink back, whether it's from scary hyenas or um, silly, stupid hyenas in your life. Take the stand and see what God can do. But no, he's got the power, and he's entrusted you with the authority. And we talked about it the first week or so, that you have the keys of heaven. You've been given the keys to loose and to bind. And those keys have to do with this authority and this power. And maybe you've identified some situations in your life where you need to pull out your keys and, and start using them as a believer in Jesus. It was many years ago that um, there was an Alliance missionary by the name of John uh, McMillan. And he wrote and he talked about, about the uh, authority of the believer a lot. And one of the illustrations he gave in talking about it had to do with an Alliance missionary by the name of Robert Jaffrey. He was a famed Alliance missionary and uh, he forged a lot of uh, taking the gospel into many new places. And there was a situation uh, on May 22nd of 1924. So that's almost 90, oh, 98 years ago, right? 100 years ago. 
And in this situation, there were uh, four missionaries, uh, including Jaffrey, that were kidnapped by pirates on the Kwaikong River of South China. They were captured by pirates, and they didn't know what would happen to them. Jaffrey was released along with another missionary shortly after that. But then there was this intense season of prayer for these missionaries who were in the hands of terrorists that would be known of that day, right? They were called pirates then. And so they prayed, and they began to pray, and they acknowledged their authority as a believer in Christ to take the keys of the kingdom of heaven and to open the doors and to free these missionaries that were bound. One escaped on June 11th, but the other, Edgar Carn, remained in danger. And McMillan writes this about that situation. He says that the missionary team had not been praying all along would not be true. But on June 20th, McMillan and the rest of the missionary team, uh, McMillan was there, began concentrated prayer and intercession. That day, day, they received faith to declare Mr. Crane, Karn, loosed. And as they began to pray, things began to happen, they realized. Because on June 22nd, a month after the ordeal had begun, Two days after the particularly intense session of prayer, a telegram was received that Edgar Karn had been set free on the 20th, the very days that they claimed to have the keys to loosen him in the kingdom's realm. Macmillan's cryptic comment, as he relates this story, called the release, quote, a very gracious confrontation of our loosening him on that day, praise God. They began praying not knowing if their prayer was being answered, until later on they realized their prayer was answered, and they went back to think through the timelines, and it began the very day they began praying. Some of you have been praying for a long time for someone or a situation in your life. You think that there's a ceiling on your prayers. They're not getting through, but they are getting through, and in the spiritual realm, the prayers are heard. Scripture says it's like incense being offered before the throne. And in the spiritual realm, on the dark side of things, it's the, uh, taking the, the shield of faith and the sword of the word of God and attacking the enemy. Stuff is happening in the spiritual realm related to prayer and spiritual warfare that you and I know not of. And one of these days, I believe, we'll fully know. We look back and go, oh, remember when that event came about, or that health concern, or this particular situation, that broken marriage, or this relationship, or that person that was falling into an addictive behavior, or remember when this person came and they turned their life to follow Jesus and they were transformed. We go, wow, I, I, I was praying at that time and I sort of thought, is, is it going anywhere? There's a place in Scripture, you can turn there if you want, that's found in the book of Daniel. And in the book of Daniel, Daniel was a very spiritual man. And it says this, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, this is in Daniel 10. A revelation was given to Daniel. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until three weeks were over. A lot of detail there. On the 24th day 
of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris. I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Upaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like shining, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs uh, like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. So he's seeing this vision after he stepped into the situation along the river, and he's seeing this, and it says this then, I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left, my face turned death pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you and stand up. For I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. And I certainly would stand up if I was in that moment. And I would be trembling if I was in that moment. Verse 12. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But I, the prince, but the prince, not by, but the prince of Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, princes, came to help me because I was detained there by the king of Persia. Now I want to come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. For the vision concerns a time yet to come. Here's Daniel seeking God desperately for the situation at hand. He's standing along a river. He is awestruck by this vision of a real person, a real entity, an angelic entity that's standing before him. No one else has seen it. And this angelic being speaks to him. And this angelic being explains to him that 21 days prior, when he first began interceding in his sacred space, seeking God about this situation, that the prayer was heard, the petition was heard, the supplication was heard. 21 days, we heard it. There's a lot I don't understand about this passage. But what is spoken here is spoken about heavenly spiritual battle going on in the spiritual realm. And this angelic being was held up by a demonic being that was referred to as the head of of the Persian kingdom, resisted him. Then the archangel, Michael, one of the chief angels, 
came to help. And he was released from having to do war with this lead demon, the king of Persia. And so he then was able to come to Daniel and impart to him the vision and the truth. 21 days. My question is, why so long? What was the battle over? And what specifically was this king of Persia fighting against? Don't fully know. But it was a reality at hand. And then it goes on, it says this, While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face toward the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I'm overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength and said, Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. Peace, be strong, be strong. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. Speak, my Lord, speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. So he said, Do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece, I guess another one, will come. But I first will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. And in the first year of Darius the Mede, I took my stand to support and protect them. The curtains were the last thing that we hung last night. I'm glad that we got them up. And there is nothing behind this curtain except a concrete wall just in case you wonder. We, but if we were to pull back the curtain, if we were to pull back the curtain of heaven and the spiritual realm, there would be battle that's going on over your life, your family, over our community, over this nation, and over the world. The ultimate victory was won at the foot of the cross. We have been given the keys of the heavens, authority, to step into the battles to do mop-up work. And as we do the mop-up work, sometimes it can be intense, it can be scary. But friends, and please take this the right way. Some of you know I, I do a lot of battle in the spiritual realm, walk through a lot of deliverance sessions with people, those kinds of things. But when I have dealt with demonic spirits, they first have that ferocity that, that fierceness of, oh, you can't do this, or I'm not going to let this person go, or I'm going to battle this way. But you take the blood of Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross, and you take that authority into that situation and that prayer, they turn from those scary hyenas into these sheepish, mocking little, oh, my God, I'm sorry, God, we didn't own it. Because they know they're beat. And some of you are facing, excuse me for the analogy, if it doesn't fit well, or it's too trite with the Lion King example. But some of you are facing hyenas, and you're scared right now. But those hyenas have no authority in the power of Jesus Christ, and you need to take that authority as a believer and declare that they are defeated. They have no grounds to stand. And you fight, and you let the battle in the spiritual realm be taken on by those who took on the spiritual realm and defeated it.
and you continue to pray and to intercede. McMillan says this in his work, and I just want to share this quote with you. He says this related to a believer in Christ. As he follows the urges of his spirit and takes to the throne everything that touches his heart, he becomes a partner with his Lord in the government of the universe. His intercessions become channels along which the divine power is enabled to flow for the alleviation of suffering, the extension of the gospel, and the controlling of the activities of the rulers of mankind. At his word, the unseen principalities and powers are restrained, wars are hindered or delayed, calamities are averted, and national and individual blessings are bestowed. He may think of himself as a a small factor in all this, but it is the divine purpose that the people of the Lord shall be associated with him in his administration. We are co-rulers with Christ. We walk into the very board uh, room of heaven and we declare with the Lord what we believe needs to be happening in the situations around us. We intercede and we fight in the strength that he gives us. But don't step outside that strength of his because if you do it in the flesh and your own human ability, even when we try to manipulate situations and change them on our own, It's scary turf because you're now outside the will of God or you're on your own and Satan has power and he can bring destruction. But in Christ, you can stand with his power and authority and pray and intercede. McMillan actually unpacks in his book authority over different things. These may ring true for you. It may be a stretch for you, this list. You've been given authority of claiming divine protection Authority over creation and the forces of nature. Authority to open locked doors to evangelism and missions. Authority to declare God's purposes to the principalities and the powers. Authority to avert war and control world events. Authority over spiritual and mental depression. Authority to claim health and healing as an atonement privilege. Authority to bind and loose to overcome demonic forces. Authority over territorial spirits and geographical strongholds. Authority to speak to mountains and see them moved or personal problems. You've been given authority. It's the power of Christ behind you. You speak that authoritative word. You intercede to the Father and let his work come in to being before you. Sometimes his ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts and our prayers aren't answered as we would see them answered. But he's orchestrating and he's working even in dire situations. God can take brokenness and he can even take death. And we can see God use that to transform and bring healing and power and hope to people that are around. God is in control. We defer to him. We pray in his will for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we should not be sheepish in our, well, I don't know what God wants. If the Spirit of God is speaking to you about something and you feel impressed about it, then pray authoritatively and speak into the situation as a believer. A.B. Simpson, who started the Alliance Movement, of which you saw some of that mission-filled work and the worship video that led us off, he spoke this and he says this, and I, I, I think it's a, it's a good word for us to sort of close. A.B. Simpson says, he did not promise the disciples power first, but the authority first. And as they used the authority, the power would be made manifest and the results would follow. Faith steps out to act with the authority of God's word. 
seeing no sign of the promised power, but believing and acting as if it were real. This was the great secret of Christ's power, that he spoke with authority, prayed with authority, commanded with authority, and the power followed. The reason we do not see more power is because we do not claim the authority Christ has given to us. Friends, church family, those watching online, you got it? Let's put it into action. If you did not get your post-it note from last week, there's post-it notes on the tables on the way out this morning. Pick one up. Pick five. You're interacting with people. There may be people that are atheists at your work. Take the bold step. They're complaining about something. Say, you know, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to put you on my prayer list. I'm going to pray for that this week. What? If you're really bold, you could say, hey, could I just take 10 seconds and pray for you right now? I just start praying for them. Oh, I've never seen anybody really reject prayer. Even if they don't even believe there's a God you can pray to. But let's be a movement of people at the awakening who are actively interceding and taking our authority in Christ, stepping out in faith and praying for people. And some of these people on your pick five list, and it can change from every week, right? I had different people this week because they knew what was going on in our renovations and the hours are being put in. Says, you're on my pick five this week, Carrie. I know, thank you. And then all the host of others, many of you who stood, right? So it may change, but discern who the pick five are for your week. Write their names. Post the note on your mirror. Pray for them in the morning. Pray for them at night, even if you're driving or whatever. And take your authority as a believer. And let's begin to have a spirit of expectation for some of the people on your pick five list to be in this very place worshiping Jesus someday. Maybe committing their life to the Lord in an altar area. Let's not let the enemy defeat them, or discourage us. Let's be a praying body through the week. And then when we come, let's be a praying family together here as a church. And may we see God's power at work, not because of who we are or some incredible tech, but because Jesus was raised from the dead. And he has authority over every principality and power. And he has given us that authority to fight. Lord, I pray here this morning, as you are burdening certain hearts, that you will call us out to be your kingdom warriors. May we take the keys to loosen and to bind. People that are held captive, people that are discouraged, people that are overwhelmed, people that are heading down the wrong path, maybe people that are successful and they're scaling the high status elite life but there's a hole in their heart and they're not even able to tell anyone that. Lord, may we pray for all kinds of people. And Lord, may we do so with the confidence and authority that you've already gone in advance because it's your ministry, Holy Spirit, that we're participating in. Just give us the attunement through your spirit to know who to pray, who to intercede for, and where to lead conversations as we step into the fall. Lord, as we come back next week to talk about who we are as a community and a body, as a church, as we fellowship together with a great meal, may you bind us together 
to be a powerful war force. Whether it's in small groups as platoons, or whether it's together in a mass movement of a worship service and praying and interceding, Lord, mobilize us as the awakening church in this valley and beyond to be your effective agents of change, your ambassadors of the gospel. And may we find our meaning and purpose in that and not all the other things that are rabbit trails we go down in life. Lord, across this room today as we've prayed for people, if there's heavy concerns, and Lord, I know that there are, may your peace and your power abide. Satan, you have no rights in the name of Jesus Christ to thwart God's perfect will and purpose in any person's life or our family members here. You are bound from doing so. It's not our roar. It's the roar of the lamb and the lion. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being receptive to what God's put on my heart. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and we're going to close with a song. But I want us to do something else I think that's very important and special for us as a church family. Uh, some of you have definitely noticed there's a lot of change here today, tech-wise, um, not just with the LED wall, but we actually have the first of some right kind of sound speakers to fill up the room. Um, there's other things that we had to work with and purchase and deal with, and some of this was just a bold step of faith, to be honest. And it's not because, hey, new, bigger, and better, the wow factor, all those kinds of things. No. I felt led and the board felt led for us to make this step to change this environment, to create some more space for the work that's right before us. And there's a few handfuls of people that stepped out with us a month ago and said, I will give to help support some of the tech I think at that time when I sent out a note to a few people, I said between thirty dollars and $60,000, and it's pretty much in that range. And a large, uh, a large amount of that came in. I think close to now $40,000 has come in from the hands of these people who have given, and I thank you. I just thank you. But we're going to take an offering today. All the cash in the offering today goes to the facility fund, and the facility fund is now moved from the facility loan fund. We still have a facility loan fund, but that was a three-year stewardship campaign. But uh, we need resources to do some other stuff in this facility to be able to finish out what we already did. And if you would like to participate in helping us see a sizable amount of an offering, whether it's in cash or being able to go online or write a check later in the week for the facility fund, you can just designate it that way. But it was a step of faith. I thank you who supported this step of faith and what we enjoyed here today. The rest of you, I invite you into that. But the ushers are going to come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings, as well as your connect cards and any prayer concerns. And if you have interest in being a part of Rooted, sign up for that. Grow spiritually this fall. You can turn that in as well. But uh, I want us to give mightily for the Lord. And, and these ushers, there's no, no one to do I'm going to have you come right down front. We don't ever hardly do this. I want you to come down front and we're going to pray over this offering and we're going to ask the Lord. Randy, I'm going to have you come up here. I'm going to have you just come right here. We're going to pray over this offering. We're going to 